Hello, everybody. I'm Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. Coming at you just a few days before my 51st birthday, I am terrified of solo episodes. They are always raw, unfiltered, unscripted, unplanned, revealing, um, scary all around. And yet I know that this is what I need to do on my 50th episode. And what the heck, 50 episodes. I started this in February, 2021, because I was excited to be more visible and because I was bored and because of COVID and because of turning 50 and feeling fierce all of a sudden in my life, like I am done playing small. I needed to be heard and known and seen and get out there. And I made a podcast and I am freaking impressed with myself that I made it to 50 episodes. I am thrilled to have you all here listening. Thank you to the thousands of you who have downloaded the episodes, who have shared them and reviewed them and enjoyed them and given me feedback on them and started difficult conversations around them and because of them and received so much pleasure in your lives because of them. I have received so much pleasure in the opportunity to talk to you. And I've been avoiding recording this unfiltered, unscripted podcast episode because I was waiting for the world to calm the fuck down. I was waiting to wake up, watch the news with my coffee and not see a tragedy. I was waking up and hoping that there wasn't going to be trauma in my own house or that I would feel healthier or lighter or funnier before I recorded my 50th episode, but ha 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 universe says, no, your mess is your message, Pasha. So you are to record amidst the chaos and the mess and still find the pleasure that you can sprinkle on the shittiest of days for that is my message. So despite all the obstacles that stood in my way from making this anything close to perfect, I decided to just go for it. Rip the Band-Aid off and go. This last month has been about 10% pleasure in all honesty, so about 90% suffering. So who am I, I thought, to do a pleasure podcast when I lack pleasure? Who am I to teach comedy when I'm too sad to laugh? Who am I to coach others when I am a mess often myself? In the words of Leonard Cohen, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's where the light comes in. Our imperfections, our scars, our wounds, our traumas, our mess, is what makes us beautiful, lovable, worthy, quirky, funny, all the things. I love the art, the Japanese art of kintsugi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. This is uh, pottery. Uh, In this art form, the potter sees cracks in the clay and then fills them, not hides them, but accentuates them, exaggerates them with gold filament. And in my Roar With Laughter program, we talk a lot about this form of art. And the metaphor, of course, is that we need to embrace our imperfections and our own scars 
And there's this beautiful sculpture that I believe is under the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, it was for a while at least, and it's called Expansion. And this, this gorgeous sculpture of a woman sitting cross-legged, naked, with her arms open wide, just surrendering to the world. And the sculptor purposefully dropped the sculpture. She broke into a million pieces. And then when he put her back together, there were obvious cracks. Then the artist shines a light behind the sculpture so that the light shines through the cracks. I hope you look this up. Look up expansion sculpture um, and you will see magnificent pictures, photographs of this sculpture in different locations um, because I believe it's traveled and um, it's remarkable. It changed my perception of my own scars and imperfections and I still uh, struggle with those limiting beliefs, but it, it really helped uh, shape my career, especially with the therapeutic comedy. And then in this podcast, Let Pleasure Be the Measure, um, that we can still find the pleasure and the humor in the darkest of days. So like you, I am a paradox. Just moments before most of the moments, most of the times I record these podcasts, I am crying in sadness and grief about my son's illness, or I am scared about my future financial stability, or I'm arguing with my husband, or I'm having a difficult conversation with a suicidal client, or I'm having a difficult conversation with myself, arguing with my own brain, battling my own inner bitchiness or feeling sick from the toxic mold that is in my house or just feeling worn down, right? From all of not just COVID, but just the world, the sharp edges of the world. And so often right before I record for you all, I feel like, like an imposter. And then I start talking like I am now, or I start talking to one of our lovely guests and I start to reawaken. I start to remind myself of who I am and remind myself of my gifts and my strengths. And then I mirror their radiance and they mirror mine. And we realize that we're all feeling all the emotions and we're all feeling messy and we're all feeling like imposters and we're all struggling with limiting beliefs and self-loathing some days um, and fear other days. And that a lot of us, if not all of us are grieving something and there's a ton of uncertainty in the world right now. And so it's scary. And, and yet the thing that gets me out of those moments is talking to you. Like I'm terrified to talk to you. And then I move through it by talking to you. So thank you. Thank you all for being there and, and listening. It's, my favorite part of the day. It's like the thing I avoid. I've been avoiding it for a month and it's my favorite part of the day. That's weird. So I figured on my 50th episode, I might have fun and share with you a little bit more, um, my story, my heart and how I'm so paradoxical, um, and how I'm so funny and not at all funny in the same moment. I am quirky and weird and probably hard to live with, but a damn good person and friend and mama and lover when I'm not pissed off. <laughs>
I'll probably talk about that too. Um, I grew up in Baltimore, DC area, Columbia, Maryland, to be exact. And um, I grew up learning to drive on the Beltway. If you've ever driven the Beltway, it's insane. And now I live in the country. I live in a town with one traffic light and more John Deere tractors than cars. And there's no traffic. I'm in Maine. Um, and I'm still, I can't even believe that I learned to drive on the Beltway because I can't parallel park. I don't like parking meters. I don't even like merging into traffic. I am a nervous, anxious driver. And um, so I look back on my childhood and I think, how did I even survive that? I left the Baltimore DC area to go to what I thought was like uh, paradise, Syracuse University. I have like 40% of my listeners are out there in Syracuse, New York. Hi, Syracuse. I went to Syracuse University. I was an RA in Brewster Boland. I went to the School of Performing Arts. I studied musical theater, acting, and directing. I was only there for two years because there was so much snow and concrete and not enough trees. That was my experience. And the theater department, damn them, made me feel too much. And it was hard. And I got scared because I wasn't ready to reveal my truths yet. So I left. I went to University of Maryland. I studied psychology. I went on to get my graduate degree at Pacific Lutheran University in master's, a master's in marriage and family therapy. And then, like all people, didn't hardly use that much and went on, transformed my career into holistic personal training. And then, as you know, grief and traumas change our lives. When my youngest son got sick, I transformed my career into therapeutic comedy and pleasure podcasting, because that's what one does when they're parenting a chronically ill child. I, even though I went to Syracuse, Orangeman, ha, I never went to a single, I'm not kidding, high school sporting game, college sports game. Do they even call them sporting games? I don't know. Game with balls. I'm scared of balls. I never played a sport. I've never been to a live game. That's not true. I went to, um, in, when I lived in Seattle, I went to the um, Mariners baseball games and here in Portland, Maine, because it's cute and sweet and safe and quiet. I see not the whole damn game, the, the Portland Sea Dogs baseball game, but I see like half of it. And then I leave because you can't come back in once you leave. And I walk around the town and wait for my husband and son to watch the rest of the game because I get bored easily. Did I mention I have ADHD, which is a superpower? I don't see it as a disorder because it makes me incredibly creative and uh, diverse in my thinking and expansive in my thinking, but it is hard to sit through a game. It's even hard for me to sit through a theater performance, which shocks me every time. Like I really love the first act. And if they could just smoosh the second act and the first act together, I could be there with the suspension of belief and really get into it. But the intermission kills me every single time I lose interest. I lose focus. And I just want to go home and get in bed and be in my comfortable PJs. So I think we should do away with intermissions and just do one act plays and musicals. And I would happily sit through two or three hours without that break in the middle. That's my, um, that's my quirk. So yeah, I study theater, love theater, <laughs> produce theater, and I can't sit through act two. I don't know. <laughs>
I don't know. I'm weird. My body is half metal. I could call myself the bionic woman. I had a hip replacement when I was very young in my thirties because of arthritis and dysplasia from birth. Um, and then this is funny, not funny. They recalled it a few years later. They recalled my hip. I got a call on Thanksgiving, uh, on the day of my mother-in-law's death. And they said, oh, you need to come into the hospital right away. We need to take out this faulty hip that is making you sick. There was all this blood toxicity. Um, it explained a lot. Still, I had to go through the hip replacement again, which is not as bad, by the way, as a neck replacement when they fuse your spine. That sucked big time. I've had a bunch of surgeries. There's all kind of metal and different parts and pieces in my body. What's cool about that is that my doctor said, you will never teach or practice yoga again. <laughs> That's not true. So I proved them wrong on that. And later after the second hip replacement, he said, never get pregnant again. Really? Well, don't tell me not to get pregnant. Don't tell me, white man, what to do with my body. So I went, didn't really mean to, but I did. I got pregnant like the next day. And so while I was on a walker and all bandaged up after my second hip replacement, I decided to take my husband to New York City. We saw a Broadway show. I actually sat through both acts of that one because I was on a date, you know, um, Spring Awakenings. And, um, and then I slept over at my ex-boyfriend's um, apartment, uh, my childhood ex-boyfriend, and, um, and in my ex-boyfriend's bed, uh, we made a baby. And I knew right away, I knew right away that I had created um, now my favorite person on the planet, Jamie, who's unfortunately sick, but very much alive and um, soulful. And he's my person. He and I just get each other. Um, so yeah, that's a crazy roundabout story of what happens when you get a hip replacement and you then also think your birth control is going to work, but the hip replacement then needs Coumadin to thin the blood, which negates the birth control, but they don't put it in the instruction pamphlet for post-surgery because people right after hip replacement don't usually try to have sex and usually aren't of dating age. So lesson learned there. I had my uh, surprise third baby and uh, who is now 13. Um, I went on, by the way, to continue to teach and practice yoga because fuck that the doctors were so wrong, nor do they understand what yoga is. Cause of course yoga is far beyond the postures. So of course, anyone out there who's listening, you can practice yoga after a hip replacement, good grief. So I went on to do that. But despite all that, even though I teach yoga and meditation, I don't actually love to practice yoga and meditation and certainly not by myself and not at all during COVID and not at all on a screen. Even if yoga with Adrian is lovely, I don't like to do it. I need to be with people. I need the energy of others to practice yoga and meditation. So I'm excited to say that I'm going to be start teaching those classes again, starting next week here in Maine. And that makes me very happy because it's been a very long, long time um, without that experience and that energetic exchange. I am also one of those people who um, bought a bike, not a Peloton, but a Nordatrack, still a very cool overpriced bike um, during the pandemic and swore I'd use it every day and never did. So I am human too.
I also get clients every single day into my studio asking me to help them lose weight. And I don't care how much you weigh. I don't care how big your thigh gap is. I actually don't want you to lose anything. I want you to gain a lot. I want you to gain strength. I want you to gain confidence. I want you to gain worth, self-worth. I want you to stand in your pleasure more. I don't want you to lose anything. If you happen to lose weight when you're gaining all those things, fine, but I don't care. Not my goal. Never will be my goal again. So that's not what I focus on. I am actually happier and healthier at a heavier weight. And that is an interesting process for me as a fitness professional of 30 years to admit to. Um, but it's just one of my many many, many paradoxes. My oldest son, Josh, that he's an amazing story. I could do an entire episode on how Josh claimed his desire and dream to be a car designer when he was young. And when he said, I want to be a car designer. And I said, awesome. And what's your plan B in case it doesn't work out. And he said, it will work out. Somebody has to do it. And he was right. He did it he got the scholarship, he got the job, and he is now designing cars for Ford. It's his dream job. I'm so proud of him. He lives in Detroit far too far away, but he designs cars and I can't even tell you what year or model my own car is because I don't care about cars, but isn't that weird? But I do someday want to drive a car that he created. That would be cool. I asked him if he could make it colorful and he said, no, it has to be black or white or gray mom, not purple or patchwork or whatever you're thinking. And don't put stickers on a car. I design as I have bumper stickers all over my car just another strange thing about me. My daughter, Emily, who lives currently in Dallas, but is soon moving up to Boston, which makes me so happy that she will be closer, studied, get this, at RPI, a school full of engineers and smart people. She studied applied mathematics. That should crack you up because if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that math and numbers and I don't get along. Like me looking at numbers is as confusing as you reading Braille. I have, it, it's just a complete disconnect in my head. Maybe it's ADHD. I don't know, but numbers and me don't get along. And my daughter studies math and she has a job with Microsoft where she like does math things. And I don't know what she does. All I know is she's amazing and brave and strong and confident and athletic and so stinking smart. And I'm so proud of her and Josh for following their dreams and living to their fullest potential. My youngest son, Jamie, as I talked about, who's 13 is here home with me, like literally here all the time. We're trying to get him back into school for the first time. Um, so he's going into eighth grade and um, he's battling Lyme on top of a mold illness on top of a vaccine injury. No, I'm not going to get into that because of the culture of the world right now. All I will say is more than anything, I want to play with him. And then when I have the opportunity to play with him, because he plays video games, I want nothing to do with playing with him because I hate playing video games and I have no interest in them. And truth be told, play is the hardest thing I do. The I would rather talk to you about trauma 
sexual abuse, abortion, and suicide before I get on the floor and play. And yet I do talk about play and I do value play and I know the importance of it, but is it easy? No. Do I struggle with it daily? Yes. Do I want to keep trying? Yes. Do I think we all should continue to try to play more and laugh more and be lighter? Yes. I'm just really comfortable talking about the difficult, heavy things. I don't know. It's probably trauma, but that's who I am. I love talking about trauma. That actually brings me pleasure, which means I suck at small talk and I want to go to all the parties. But once I'm there, I want to leave because I feel really lonely in a group of people. If we're not talking about difficult things or real things or intimate things, because I can't talk about sports and weather for more than 30 seconds. So I want to go to the parties and I want to leave the parties. I want to be around people and then I want to be alone. I want my house full of children playing. And as soon as they get in my house, I want them to all go back to their own houses because I don't like a lot of noise in my house. My house is really quiet. My 13 year old is super, super quiet and sweet and well-behaved. So it's hard for me to have a house full of kids, even though that is literally my dream to have the house full of kids. I don't get me. I don't get me. I have owned maybe 10 businesses. Um, I'm a successful entrepreneur. I've owned several wellness centers in New Hampshire and Maryland and now Maine. And yet I am terrified to look at my own bank statements probably because of the numbers, but I'm a little disconnected from that side of me that, um, that works for profit. It's something I'm working on. And I know I have worth and value, and I know this is a struggle for several women, but I struggle with the numbers and that's a limiting belief of mine that I'm really working hard to push through. So I think it's hilarious that I've owned so many businesses and don't really do well with the, uh, with the banking side of things. I wrote a book this year in February, it was published. I, it's a compilation book. So there's 15 other women who contributed to it. Um, I, I'm very proud of myself for writing a book and completing a big project and muddling through all the editing and the um, drudgery that is book writing. Uh, it's called My Next Husband Will Be a Lesbian. And I talk about my expansive sexuality. I today identify as bisexual or pansexual, depending on the second. Um, and yet I've never had an experience, sexual experience with a woman. Isn't that weird? Like I know my next husband will be a lesbian or a woman. It's just kind of a funny title. Uh, and yet I've never had a relationship with a woman, but I want to, and I'm 51 and I want to remain open to all experiences, certainly all pleasurable experiences. And, um, it's just one of those things that I know in my deepest knowing that I want to experience one day. So yeah, that's me. I host a pleasure podcast and most of my days, the deepest, greatest pleasure I have is my first cup of coffee and using the good toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always pleasurable. It's, and it's hard. I get really scrappy with my pleasure. I teach people to find pleasure outside of their work, to not be so productive all the time, to slow down. And yet my greatest pleasure is my work. I teach what I need to learn and unlearn, which is a lot. I teach about social constructs like traditional marriage 
and the martyrdom of motherhood, both of which I am currently stuck in. I teach about sexual pleasure and sexuality and expansion, and I have a sexless marriage. We are beautiful friends and co-parents, and we live together, um, but there's no intimacy. There's been some infidelity and uh, rage, um, his infidelity, my rage. And uh, I, don't, I don't think we'll return to that place. Um, it doesn't mean we're not a family. It doesn't mean we're not loving. It doesn't mean it's not beautiful. It doesn't mean it's not what I want at this moment. Um, because right now, taking care of our kiddo and safety and security and um, really just at this moment, the comfort of familiarity is more important to me. And that is my choice. And that doesn't mean that I don't uh, deserve or want someday a love story that lights me up in all the ways. That's all I'm going to say about that. I am a marriage and family therapist with a um, different kind of marriage, a non-traditional marriage. I'm a marriage and family therapist and I'm on my second marriage. I'm a marriage and family therapist and my family sometimes looks very messy. I said, if my husband ever cheated on me, I would leave. And a couple affairs later now, I am still here working really hard to make it work. And I know there's a lot of you out there who can relate to that. Wanting, wanting, what's, wanting what we know and wanting more all at the same time. I teach women about reclaiming their bodies and their worth. And I still experience self-loathing and shame, body shame. It's something I struggle through and struggle with and, um, and teach about. So it's so interesting to me that, um, that I continue to have the conversations with others that I need to have with myself. So often I'll witness myself talking and, um, and kind of coach myself while I'm coaching others. Um, because I see the limiting beliefs that hold me back. I see the fear that holds me back. I coach women to move their bodies and eat healthy foods. And I struggle to move through my emotions. And I often choose chips, chocolate, always chocolate over vegetables. I'd like to say I have celery juice every day. It's most days, but not every day. I try. I like wake up. I start really good. I wake up. I have lemon water. I have celery juice, I have coffee, and then I have a healthy breakfast and then a mostly healthy lunch. And then at around three o'clock, I start to get really like crunchy feeling. I need to crunch. And so on a day that I might be maybe a little bit more dedicated to healthy eating, I'll make like crispy kale, but sometimes it looks like chips. That's that. That's three o'clock on. It gets a little bit harder. Can you relate? I don't have addictions to sex or drugs or alcohol. I actually have shockingly little experience with all three of those. And yet I am addicted to sensation and kombucha. <laughs> um, I bore really easily my ADHD and PTSD and probably other disorders with acronyms keep me from focusing and staying present to life. I am working on it. We are all a work in progress. I teach therapeutic comedy and yet I struggle to laugh. 
like this shameful little secret. I'm like not even funny. I don't even think I'm funny. And I teach comedy. Whoa, I just hit the mic in my nervousness. I experience the same limiting beliefs you do about being funny, being worthy, being lovable. I, every day, every day I struggle with that. I do grief work about my anxiety about losing people. Like I'm anxious to lose people and I'm doing the grief work before they die. Like I'm proactive. I'm a planner. I'm a Virgo. Big surprise. Um, yeah, I do grief work and it's not just, we don't just grieve death. Of course we grieve the loss of things, uh, when they didn't turn out the way we thought they would. I grieve the loss of my child's childhood because he was sick. I grieve the loss of my marriage the way I wanted it to be. There's a sense of, um, the old future is gone. That's a John Gorka uh, song quote. And, um, it makes me sad to think that the old future is gone. I coach other people to move through trauma and grief through the lens of comedy and pleasure. And I often move through my grief by lying in bed in a dark room, watching atypical over and over. Do you know atypical It's a beautiful show? Do you know, Sam? I love Sam. He's the main character in that show. Oh, I love atypical. I teach women to rage and I'm not very good at raging myself. I sometimes even bite my tongue and play very, very small. I not as often anymore, very infrequently, actually. Um, interestingly, I do that more with my family. Um, in my work, I'm learning to be far more loud and visible and fierce. I teach women to dance. And sometimes I'm far too paralyzed in fear to let go and release my own body. I teach women to be visible. And sometimes I feel like I just want to curl up in a ball. I long for touch, but have a hard time touching. I have a hard time giving and receiving love and touch. I want all the friends and I'm terribly shy. I want to love life, but there have been times when my brain was really mean and bitchy to me and I did not want to live. I long for adventure and safety. I want to be loud and visible and quiet and alone. I want to be a famous podcast host and speaker and travel the world. And I want to snuggle at home with my future grandkids and just read books and eat cookies. I want to look like the kind of woman who would like rage and dance at live concerts, like rock concerts, but I hate concerts. They're too loud. I'm really the kind of woman who likes to watch Little House on the Prairie reruns. I'm kind of boring, maybe. I don't know. I want to create community more than anything I can think of. And I spend most of my time in my garage. It's right over my garage. My studio is right over my garage. And my podcast studio is a closet, interestingly, in the closet, closet next to the room. That's above the garage. That's where I spend most of my day because of COVID. And I just want to get out and be with people and hug on people. And I know you're feeling me on that. I want to embrace my paradoxical nature, my imperfections and my quirks. I want to be open also about the fact that I'm not there yet, but working on it relentlessly. I know that my cracks 
are where the light comes in. And I still feel the urge to fill them up so I appear less flawed. For who, I don't know. Who am I afraid of? I'm 51 this weekend. I'm like done being afraid. I'm done playing small. I'm done with the limiting beliefs. I'm done with wanting to lose things and fearing losing people who are still here right in front of me. So the jig is up. This is me. 51-year-old me. Your perfectly imperfect pleasure podcast host. That's, that's a tongue twister. Your perfectly imperfect pleasure podcast host, Pasha Marlowe, on my 50th episode. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening. I am so grateful to have you all on the other end of this. And I would love to meet you all. Please take advantage in the show notes of the uh, Calendly link. It's a free coaching call. We can story swap. We can talk about how to bring more pleasure or humor into your life. We could talk about coaching opportunities, one-on-one or the Roar With Laughter program. I would love to get to know you. I would love your feedback on the podcast, any of the 50 episodes you've heard and 50 plus more to come. They're getting juicier and more raw and honest as we go. Please, if you like this podcast, subscribe and review and share. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. I made it through. (gasps) Love you all.